Chapter Twenty Six of A Superfluous Woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. The sexes suspect each other. Even the heartiest sympathy falls short of sympathy in proportion as there is therein an admixture of good-natured tolerance and much of the sympathy between sex and sex is no more than a purposed toleration of probable weakness little understood there was a note in jessamine's message pitched too high for dr cornerstone's comprehension even his insight into her probable misery could not account for it and it irritated him she can go away she can break the tie let her free herself said he to those not within the delicate meshes of some difficulty action seems always possible it seems easy doesn't it the odd thing is that everybody's individual mess is a sort of charmed circle out of which they do not find it so simple to step returned carteret shall you go yes hysteria and wretchedness are my business it was getting dusk next day when dr cornerstone found himself alone in the private sitting-room of lady harriet a single lamp covered with a shade served rather to add to the obscurity than to illumine it but he saw that the room was furnished with every possible luxury it gave him a sense of oppression to be there the wretched hours spent therein by an unhappy soul burdened the atmosphere there seemed no escaping the infection the breath sucked it in and it lay heavy on the heart he sat down to await her coming he thought of her as one who had left his guidance to learn life's merciless lesson by herself some deep experience she had conned alone but that he said is life and here after ten years he sat on her hearth watching the light stealing from the window and giving place to shadows and the lamp glowing more and more to a ruby redness loneliness he said and isolated experience are the great facts we may be conscious of the rod above us the rod that falls when errors are made but we spell the lesson alone the rest sweet mates and the play hour is palliation and exception it is a dream haunting the heart against all knowledge to the contrary when we say to ourselves that one day we shall sit hand in hand with some lost beloved creature the barriers broken between hearing without reserve at last at last the untold history oh groundless hope he said time shakes the sands down in the glass the thief age strips us of our opportunity and death steals on and hems the way at last and still the heart befooled with visions holds to its goal and runs one day so we picture he said we shall overtake the vanishing moment catch up the long-sought friend and as self to self bend and listen to the story feeling no need to pardon or forbear or excuse to visions impossible as these 
was there a substance and a counterpart he thought perchance it might be so he thought that he who silently loves his friend without one breath of the word forgiveness in between who wholly loves accepting utterly comes nearest for all dividing space and years and facts to that most unattainable and sweetest of dreams a curtain dr cornerstone observed hung over one corner of the room to that his eyes wandered from time to time uneasily would it be from such a pall-like symbol of the mysterious years that jessamine would step he thought of her past as lying huddled behind it and of her face straining toward him in speechless consciousness of what was hidden there the eyes full of the eternal voiceless cry of the human creature oh fellow soul there lies the irrevocable thing behind me is there hope has life taught you that there is consolation anywhere he fancied he caught the faint rustle of a garment a step no there was nothing the air was full of steps they walked and pattered through his heart departing departing as hopes unrealized that come and pass beside the waiting heart and go as steps of those that move away they beat despairing rhythms in his ear oh for the steps that pause and enter he imagined that he heard a sigh that went he thought through a frozen world wherein the voices of all nature were stilled of all earth's once myriad cries there remained only this thin and broken sigh the lasting thing being grief unresting grief when earth is dead and the sun has perished some poor belated and lost soul heaven banished hell rejected will wander hitherward and come back and sigh like that he said looking again toward the curtain he saw now a white hand thrust between a hesitating timid hand which slid away again his head drooped so had he seen a tiny promise creep toward a life palled with sorrow the dull monotony of grief fluttered by a beckoning finger which vanished when the frozen heart began to beat strange torturing trick of fate when he raised his eyes again he became aware of jessamine's presence a woman clothed in a long white gown held the folds of the curtain apart and stood between darkness behind her when their eyes met she dropped her hands and came a step forward and paused and looked at him again the weight of years was in her face and in her eyes questions deep as death he rose from his seat more startled than he could have conceived possible he barely managed to murmur her name she advanced and placed her hand in his it is you at last she said in a small low voice about which as on a weak string hung heavy beads of most impressive tears jessamine 
he repeated drawing through the name the lingering memory of what had once been bright and fair she turned aside as though her little strength gave way and sinking down laid her face against the cushions of a chair like one for whom the storm has been too cruel life had its ghosts it appeared the woman before him was but the ghost of jessamine he bent above her searching in her face and fighting all the time against the mournful influences which seemed nipping the heart out of his courage and his impulses of healing and of help she turned suddenly and gazed at him with her dark eyes doctor 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 was all she said at which he found himself forced to walk some paces through the room oppressed by the distracting desolating hopelessness which infected him from her eyes and paralyzed his resources he did not remark that when he turned she rose and followed him casting as she did so many an anxious flitting look upon him when he paused she paused too they stood together the slender woman's form against the sturdier male shape the ever symbolical air whether united by love friendship or mere chance position the world's cruelest enigma the two who hide between them secrets which forever they strive to impart the one to the other and have not the power to disclose he was startled when she touched his arm and he heard her voice close beside him i am not mad doctor said she my mind is clear i am not mad no no said he you will help me if a man can if there be a way there is a way he placed his arm about her and led her back to the chair i try to get this look out of my eyes she said anxiously but i am not able once i tried to smile she laid her hand on the lace and cashmere about her throat and bosom and looked at him i understand said the doctor soothingly i know she shrank back against the cushions and moaned it was like the moan of some trapped animal and beyond what is human in its despair come come now said dr cornerstone tell me the whole history i am here to help you do not hide anything tell me the whole from the beginning i shall hide nothing from you that is well i was a little overcome at meeting you again at finding you in distress but there's a way out of the heaviest trouble you know he drew upon his resources of wholesome cheeriness yet it seemed to him that the hopes he threw out fell with a hollow sound in the atmosphere of that room the little lamps which experience will and philosophy light for the human soul burned low indeed i have lately seen that there is a way just one said she so far for many years i thought that there was none tell me said he how did you come to make this marriage ah why 
said she it is too late now too late he repeated it is never too late to pluck up will we may shake ourselves free from our worst error i do not say without loss or suffering is it so said she no there are errors which are as living nerves into which we dare not cut jessamine my child you overestimate your sorrow your will and strength are broken for a time take courage tell me all she looked at him with meek eyes of unfathomable moveless grief listen said the doctor apprehension hurrying his speech you think many women do that a marriage is an eternal thing which cannot be broken but that is a mistake we live in the nineteenth century and not in the middle ages you can go away to-morrow if you wish pluck up a will and escape his own words chilled him with an incomprehensible sense of missing the mark is that your way your help she asked jessamine it is i do not hesitate to advise you to act as i have said this bond is breaking you i find you crushed moreover it is a degradation escape from it i say that it is the only right step left for you you had better be a crossing-sweeper or a scullery-maid than remain in this splendor set to this work gather together your resources of courage and will escape she repeated blankly how is that possible escape from what she eyed him with perplexity as one looks at a person who introduces an irrelevancy other women have done it he said yes i have wondered was her simple reply the doctor's lips parted for speech and closed again an incredible idea stole into his mind you do not love this man he asked after a little hesitation something faintly rippled the settled mournfulness of her face but there was no answer the doctor from experience knew that a woman's heart has strange deep phases he knew too had not carteret reminded him that the individual experience is a charmed circle for the individual sufferer and that no human help can avail until the enchanter who lurks within gives the signal of release i think i understand jessamine said he tenderly the thought of your child keeps you now she cast a shrinking suspicious glance at him if that be the case said he yet by no means certain that he had touched the right chord i think you ought to face the suffering as the law stands it is true that the child is the father's and not yours but i do not hesitate still to say that it is your plain duty to separate from harriet to resign a life which is for you a degradation he had been noticing the slim white hands laden with rings which lay in her lap faint suggestions came to him from the sight of them and touched his heart 
he now remarked that the fingers twitched nervously the child she said in a low quick voice no no it is mine too the responsibility is mine as well by this time dusk had gathered in the room the glow of the lamp beneath its red shade was scarcely an illumination he saw jessamine as a willowy figure in white leaning back in her chair the dark hair against the cushion the pale sweet face beneath with closed eyelids and the slim hands moving nervously upon her knee so far he had reached no further than surmise he must break that mournful reticence if he could he had no assurance that at present he had found the sore tell me about it from the beginning he said firmly give me an account of how you were induced to enter into this alliance she roused herself a little and opened her eyes he thought that they were always pondering some fixed intense idea you wish me to tell you about it she said it will be well that you should do so was it of your own will jessamine leaned her cheek on her hand and seemed to be thoughtfully considering it is a long time since then she said slowly still i remember there were things in myself that terrified me even then yes said the doctor i recall a stupefied feeling a numbness i recall feeling as though everything were dead as though i were one of those fallen autumn leaves which the wind blows where it will the wind that blew me on that kept me moving was just restlessness no more i had something unsatisfied hungry in myself something that kept driving me into action display i wanted to fill to fill what there was a hollow place where my heart ought to be a burning confusion where my thoughts should have been there was nothing to which i cared to put my life i think if i had fallen into good hands it would have been better with me but i came back to my aunt arabella ah the doctor's tone was significant do not blame aunt arabella said jessamine gently she and i are kin there lies the root of the evil what is in her is in me also if it had not been just so she would have had no power to influence me ah she only interpreted my own self to me it was that which made the dreadful thing happen your marriage no must i tell you this also i think it best that you should tell me all it frightens me a little to recall it yet i will tell you why should you not know me through and through it is well that you should tell me she worked on me when i came back came back from where a crimson wave rushed to jessamine's pallid cheek and her eyes became suddenly suffused with tears she threw her hands before her face with a single hopeless sob 
her grief was intense and yet the sight of it relieved the doctor because it was the sharp natural grief of a woman and not that strange incomprehensible despair came back from the thing that killed me said she in a loud hoarse whisper well well said dr cornerstone soothingly it does not matter where i came back from said she when she had recovered her more composed bearing when i returned i had nothing but this feeling of stupefaction and and as though i had been braced up to something too high for me a sense of relief in sinking back to vain luxurious ways aunt arabella worked on this last i can imagine it i was conscious of degradation yet had not the force to resist i am not sure that i wished i saw without putting an end to them all her devices about lord harriet my husband the spring of my desire for goodness had dried up i had lost my self-respect nothing seemed to matter such a vain pursuit of such a miserable social triumph as she placed before me seemed all i was fit for but there came a day toward the end when my apathy was suddenly fired when something i know not what rushed over me she was talking to me i was listening or not listening as the case may be then she began to go on and on about my beauty and all along vanity in me vanity ached like a diseased nerve she spoke of lord harriet being in doubt between me and the blonde woman of what people would say were perhaps saying as to my disappointment and suddenly i seemed to feel my brain like a spot of fire wild anger and hate were in my heart hate against her and against myself for being like her and against society for turning out such creatures as we were and i wanted to end it in a moment i had not any clear thought i felt as though all the great cruel wrong whether in me or outside me was impersonated and stood before me in the figure of my aunt and a wild impulse of energy against it seized me as though it were possible to destroy by one blow the devil in myself that was tempting and dragging my life down at that time i was physically strong and vigorous have you ever felt the vanity of words and the necessity of flinging out acts instead men do i think but they disallow it to women well i i flung out at the traitor within who spoke to me by the mouth of the traitor outside i felt a blaze in my brain and a blaze in the room i don't know what i did but it was over in a moment and i sank back in my chair with every spark of self-respect dead within me i did not know whether i had hurt or perhaps even killed her and i did not care if i were hanged i sat there looking away from her as she lay on the floor and trying to get my own breath back i think i hoped she was dead because then the end would come 
for i felt that now i had done this there was no more anything to cling to or to live for i wished to be put out of misery so i sat looking away from the heap on the floor but just then we heard james coming and suddenly aunt arabella sprang up she looked dreadful and the first thing she did was to rush to a mirror the one thing she thought of was that if james saw her with all her toilette spoiled he would tell and then i perceived how complete was our degradation we were too trivial and contemptible too shriveled and dead in our souls even for hanging and when she had got her hair right and her collar arranged and was crouching in her chair and james had come in to put on the coals and had gone out again i turned to her and said just this aunt arabella i will marry lord harriet as soon as you like and at that she began to shiver and whimper and thanked me and praised her god so said the doctor you knocked aunt arabella down and afterward nothing that i recall until one day i woke up from my stupor that was after your marriage yes months after a tiny ray of hope it was scarcely hope came to me one day it was a little thought no more than that yes i caught at it you do not know the darkness that went before sometimes i think men do not guess what settles settles down on a woman's heart when she is hurt that way but suddenly i saw that it was possible to live a difficult life but still a life something so small so tiny a link it was but still a link came to me out of what i had lost what had you lost hush do not ask let me tell you my own way it was for the sake of that i strove to be good again i realized that i had married lord harriet i thought that way my duty lies it was all the goodness i had ever learned about i thought it linked me onto what i had lost and in that idea i lived i woke up day by day and clung to it you do not wish to leave lord harriet said the doctor perplexedly she put out a trembling hand and laid it on his arm wishes with me are dead said she i find no way save through devotion to my duty once i learned something better i cling to the thought but i see no chance of faithfulness to that save faithfulness to this he gazed at her with a frown of perplexity and doubt her eyes were anxious she feared his words her looks were weighted with deep questions which she shrank from putting i married him of my own free will my eyes were wide open wider than you think than you dream i would not quarrel with him would not go back on my steps had self-respect enough to keep not break this tie even when i comprehended what it meant her grasp tightened on his arm 
she feared he was certain that she feared his words yet the sources of her dread were dark to him one day said she the little cord of hope to which i desperately clung found a fellow i began to dream of motherhood yes he said yes doctor did you know did you guess that i had that feeling that yearning no he said it was my strongest passion she said even my vanity was second to that i know that it is so it will redeem you jessamine my child he said she looked at him with an awful reproach ah he hastened to add for years you have been disappointed disappointed she leaned forward and stared at him disappointed is that the word from dreaming over it as a half hope i have come to think of it with concentrated horror but i am chained i am chained jessamine he said i have told you that to efforts of the will there are no chains that cannot be cast aside death she said will release me death alone death is the solver of my problem doctor it lies with god said he a sudden apprehension in his tone the only way she said is death i have considered and found it so at last what holds me back is cowardice and something further oh doctor doctor is it so easy then death even hides his face at times from me responsibility holds me like a vice and breathes an icy breath upon my heart and kills even that hope i cannot yet resolve to leave my post and die she rose and advancing to the curtain stood holding the folds back with both hands and looking at him over her shoulder is it so easy doctor she repeated can we by one firm act undo our errors they gather gather they strike root within they live without come come you shall see the chains that bind me he stood with her on the threshold of a wide and cheerful room toward which she had led him a woman dressed as a nurse had frowningly objected to his presence she spoke of his lordship's strict command of the secrecy of years jessamine with gentle firmness and entreaty broke through her objections and then he stepped forward and the secrets of the house of harriet lay before him the room he stood in was a nursery there were one or two attendants more than would be naturally required and there were two children aged respectively he surmised eight and six years he passed with rapid scrutiny and a horror-stricken heart from one to the other on those frail tiny forms lay heavily the heritage of the fathers the beaten brows the suffering eyes expiated in themselves the crimes and debauchery of generations 
my children said jessamine with a look into his eyes once in a confusion of horror and shock he put his hand out to touch the drooping head of the elder and then the mother caught his fingers and snatched it back take care said she in a dull and gentle voice at times she is malicious that is my boy she said pointing to the other and he saw a poor malformed thing a child who lived in pain and whose eyes alone answered for him and these the doctor thought followed his mother up and down the room with an awful look of perpetual reproach subdued and gentle jessamine walked among them no one spoke the attendants with their quiet secret faces hung back like jailers the silence in the nursery was scarcely broken save for jessamine's few words and the aimless scratching of the idiot girl's hand upon a little table by which she sat of all the scenes of anguish upon which his eyes had rested this in its repressed and concentrated horror was the most appalling they stood again in the sitting-room dr cornerstone's face was white as a sheet and he was speechless jessamine closed the door behind the curtain and locked it then she went swiftly to the second door and locked that also after that she returned to the hearth where the doctor stood silent and smitten he could not look her in the face you understand me now a little she began in the same low gentle voice a voice whose grief was too deep for outcry i told you that when i waked to understand my own deed i accepted it i took up duty clung to all i knew of that for the sake of something in the past out of fear of something in the past i made it my aim to be simply a true wife to the man i had married god knows that i meant rightly it was what i had learned of right do efforts of right doing turn to fruits like those when i saw and understood the face of my first baby when the little hope born of dreary patient effort turned to that do you think i did not have my desperate moment but there upon my breast lay the child itself breathing perpetual warning i dared not stir terror and horror held me fast i strove good god how piteously to do moment by moment all the duty and the right i knew of i came to think and there were reasons more than you know that our first child was my crime and not his my husband's and a little hope and comfort lived on you see the dreary years the working on in darkness and suspense and clinging to the only light i knew oh with such desperate fear and then the answer dropped so slowly doctor the awful sameness of reply my god 
she sank to the floor at his feet in a kneeling posture bending her head and crushing her hands against her breast jessamine said the doctor finding words for the first time was it no crime to become a mother by that effete and dissipated race whereat she straightened herself a little kneeling more upright and seizing his hand and arm to which she clung convulsively she had the look of one on whom a dreaded blow has fallen you say that doctor alas what else should i say kill me then said she sharply don't let me live to commit it any more give me the means of dying so that my baby does not see the light of day i have seen at last that this was the only way of my own will i can do nothing i am bound with chains give me the death which is my only release will that undo the error cried the doctor sternly that more than desertion she caught her hands together and laid them across her eyes and brows and held them there while she considered then she rose softly to her feet you are right said she it would be useless i was a coward to think of it he saw her standing for a moment poised in thought her finger on her lips her mind concentrated upon the hideous problem of her own creation the children she said they live on and on when i am gone he stood silent words would be fatuous his uttered phrases struck him now as cruel he was without resources she with her facile undisciplined brain untaught unguided set to this torturing riddle face to face with a situation so awful and supreme he was silent indeed she looked up presently with dark interrogating eyes and pointed a question swiftly you believe in will doctor in will assuredly ah then ah then you are right in will the only safe way is from within outward from within she repeated it slowly and emphatically bowing her head as she did so she approached and laid her hand gently on his arm do you know doctor yes what the crime i think you called it so came from within alas poor woman you said it was a crime you were right i see it a crime her eyes darkened concentrated and the brows contracted as in strong mental effort crimes come from within she repeated all is not lost murmured the doctor because said she with sudden energy speaking in a loud whisper and tightening her grasp upon his arm i will cancel it from within i will repudiate it reject it from within if there is a crime i will not connive at it i will throw myself on the side against it i myself will annul it i shall will and will and will 
god himself shall side with me and fate be forced to have mercy she paused sighed raised her arms high above her head and looked up i beat with my willing against the very door of heaven i will tear my wish out of the centre of things she cried who has a right to his will if not i and i shall win it there is nothing she said stronger than a mother End of chapter 26